0: Support this podcast at patreon.com forward slash Podcast. Obviously, to lay the groundwork, an important thing for us to know is how you got started in photography. So um, at what age did you start and what was the reason behind it?
1: Well, I got started uh, in my late twenties, and you know, I had a job at the Whitney Museum of American Art in New York uh, as a night watchman. So instead of watching the monitors at night, I would go down to the bookstore and read all these books on photography. Also, um, you know, these artists would come in at night to install their shows, so I got to meet people like Richard Avedon and and Nan Golden and even Ralph Gibson. Um. So that really piqued my interest. You know, the the, the Ralph Gibson show, especially, is one of my favorite photographers. You know, he had a show called the Sonomulist. It's about um. It's it's about day uh, uh uh about the dream state. Right. Uh, all all images were related to that dream state, and they were so evocative. Um, that pretty soon I started analyzing my dreams and that's when I realized the power of, you know, the single image, you know, the power of photography, you know, it was pretty soon thereafter. I went out to be an H and, and bought a, uh, Pentax K 1000 film camera and, and taught myself photography and started photographing anything and everything that I saw on the street, um, wasn't very good. Uh, at one point I started imitating Ralph Gibson and I was just doing a lot of bad imitations of <laughs> Ralph Gibson. <laughs> so I just, um, eventually moved up to medium format and, um, thought I would do portraits. I was horrible at that. And then I, I moved up to uh, 4x5, um, I a four by five, um, what a four by five field camera. And then I, I, spent maybe six or seven years on and off uh, doing landscape photography out in the western part of the united states um sold some prints but um after a while uh again i I was i think i was just burnt out and doing derivative work and Mm -hmm. wasn't inspired so i eventually um sold all of my large format equipment and didn't photograph for a few years. And then, uh, maybe like five years ago, picked up a four or five years ago, picked up a Panasonic GH4. And I thought I do movies and realize how hard that was. <laughs> so I was going to sell, uh, I was going to sell that camera. But then I realized, Hey, this is a, um, a camera also. So I went out and, uh, started shooting street at night after work and, um, I got hooked, you know, discovered Instagram and all the street photographers on Instagram. And it's been only about a year, year and a half that I've been doing street photography. But um, here I am. (laughs) I'm still doing it.
0: Well, within the genre of street photography, what is your favorite sort of sub-subject to photograph?
1: Well, here's the issue, you know, especially in New York, um, there are a lot of street photographers and, you know, you either fall into two camps, you know, you're like in like the Gary Winogrand, Joel Mayerwitz uh, camp where you're uh, Fifth Avenue and you're shooting crowds and, you know, people are coming at you and you're trying to find uh, layer composition and all that. Or you're, you know, Saul, you're under the Saul Leiter uh, school where you're doing color abstract stuff. I'm I feel more I I like shooting a broader range of subjects, you know, more ecumenical as far as um, subject matter. You know, I consider a lot of things street photography. So if I'm walking down the street and I see a glass on a table in an outdoor cafe and the light is hitting it in a certain way and there's like a Mexican flag behind it. Uh, I'm going to shoot that. And that's street photography. It's not still photography to me. Uh, If I'm walking down the street and I see a 1968 Camaro and it's got this beautiful, shiny black roof that reminds me of uh, the skin of a fish and then a green paint that, you know, reminds me of uh, the skin of an animal or plant uh, juxtaposed with... uh, Shiny glass, you know. I'm going to photograph that, and that's not automotive photography. It's street photography. um right. If I right, if I'm walking down the street and I see a a person like this past week, and I was in Coney Island and I saw this gentleman, uh, Luis Mendez, who's this legend street photographer. He's eighty years old. He's been shooting since the '50s, and uh, I took a picture of him. And people say, well, that's portrait. So trust not street photography. Just no it's street photography. I'm walking down the street, and there he was. Yeah. So. Um, as far as genre or styles, I mean, I'm, I'm very open. I mean, I don't fall into a certain camp. Um, and sometimes it could cause problems. People send me emails saying, well, you know, what you shot is not technically street photography. Don't call it street photography. and And I don't buy into that. I think a lot of things can be street photography, um, you know.
0: It seems like a really reductive attitude to have. I, th- I see it quite a lot with street photography in the sense that it's almost like there's a gatekeeper's union for what can and can't be classed as street photography.
1: Well, you know, these street photography collectives, you know, I don't think I'd ever join one because some of them are just so close minded and, you know, you have to shoot in a certain style and, um, and, and, and if your style is not easily defined, you know, it's like somebody looks at your photograph and they can't it on you saying, you know, this is a distinctive style, then it, it's not valid, which I find, uh, uh, ridiculous. So, um, you know, mm. William Eggleston had the same problem when, when he started out, you know, he was photographing the banal and they said his, his photos are about nothing. But if you look back, you know, he's been shooting for 50 years. If you look back at the collection of his work, then all these little things that were about nothing, collectively were about something. They were about an era, they were about his uh particular environment, which was down south. Um, so there are a lot of things that one can uh shoot. Um and it doesn't have to have a a distinctive fingerprint to to be valid to be called street photography.
0: Do you think that's the problem with street photography in the sense that um like as it's happening, sort of present day street photography, you end up being more focused on defining an era rather than just then sort of just collecting images of it. So you're almost sort of tainting the water in a sense, like you're kind of biasing the, 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 the the creation of that record by trying to make it look a certain way.
1: Well, um, you know, I, I, you know, you walk around, I walk around New York and, and everything seems so homogenized and, it can be very um, tempting to just photograph nostalgia just for nostalgia's right. sake. Um, so uh, again, I try to be uh, more broad, you know, I'll photograph contemporary things, but I also photograph things that remind me of another era um, because that era is today also, you know, the past is also the present. Yeah. So, know, I, I don't see any contradiction in that.
0: Um, I mean, you've you've mentioned cars, uh, specifically sort of nostalgic Americana automobiles are incredibly photogenic. But why are they so photogenic and why do they lend themselves so well to street photography?
1: Well, they're beautiful pieces of sculpture. You know, Um, trying to photograph contemporary cars is very difficult because everything's homogenized in this era. You know, you look at those cars from, from, let's say, the 60s, American cars. And were everything was was unique. It, uh, the design was very distinctive, and that kind of reflected the era. You know, America was much more ambitious back then. You know, they went to the moon and all that. Um, nowadays, everything is the same: same architecture, same fashion. Yeah. Everybody goes to the Gap or whatever, and everybody looks the same. Um, the cars are the same. Um, so, I think people have. They do have a, a bit of a, a nostalgia uh, when they see these cars, but it's, it's for um, an era that was much more forward looking than I think today is, you know, uh, there's group think and all that in, in this era. Every, everybody has to think the same. So um, there's nothing very distinctive about a lot of the industrial design
0: than I see today. Yeah. hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. Um, let's talk about when you head out to shoot. So uh, do you go out, um, with a set idea of exactly what it is that you want to go and photograph or do you go to a specific place and just see what you're given and try and make the best of what you've got?
1: Well, I have different routes that I follow, um, different neighborhoods. Um, and I'll pick a neighborhood and, and I'll just stay in that neighborhood for the whole day. Um, it can be uh, difficult because there are so many other street photographers and uh, they follow this, this sometimes almost the same route. You know, New York is the funny thing about New York is uh, most people photograph uh, just in Manhattan, you know. Um, but the other boroughs probably had a lot more interesting things to see is that. Um, A lot of people are not ambitious enough to go to these other parts of New York and photograph. Um, And it can be difficult sometimes, you know, in in Manhattan, it's much more of a transient place and people really don't care if you take their photographs that much. Whereas in the other parts of New York or the other boroughs, um, it's a. people will let you know, you know, you can get challenged right. a lot more. So people become afraid to go to those areas. But I think there's a lot of missed opportunity. And, uh, you know, as the years go on, I think that's one of my goals is to explore the other parts of uh, New York, not just Brooklyn and
0: Williamsburg. and. Well, Williamsburg is amazing.
1: Yeah, it is. But it's, it's also, you know, a million photographers are there. So,
0: yeah. you
1: know, going up to the Bronx or the, uh, in uh, farther reaches of Queens or it doesn't even have to be in, in Manhattan per se. You know, I live in, actually I live in New Jersey. So I've been starting to walk around Hudson County and photographing places like Hoboken and uh, Jersey City and those places, which is right across the river from Manhattan. Um, similar sensibility is, um, but a lot less dense. So, um, I'm trying to get out of my, my comfort zone of, of Manhattan. Most people just shoot Manhattan. And that's when people think of New York city, they think of Manhattan, but it's, it's a much broader place. Right.
0: And do you set yourself restrictions in the sense of, um, sort of like limiting yourself to a specific piece of gear, like only one lens or only going out to photograph one particular type of subject, or are you just very open with that?
1: Well, um, as far as subject matter, I'm I'm very open. But as far as gear, yeah, um, usually I'll just bring along uh, my 27 millimeter pancake lens and my Fuji 35 1.4 lens. Um, That's just the way I see the world. Uh, Anything more than that just weighs me down and I never really use them. I always think I'm going to use them. I always, sometimes I would bring them along just to say, well, it's going to be that one, one in a million shot and I can use that super wide, whatever, 16 millimeter one four. But then I realize, no, that's never going to happen because I just don't, don't see the world that way. So I, I do set limits and it's usually just the uh, focal length, uh, 30, 35 and a 27 basically.
0: Are you quite mobile in the sense of like you're walking and shooting, walking and shooting, or do you find an area that you like and just sort of use your patience and wait for something to develop?
1: Oh, well, I'm kind of bad that way. I'll, I'll find, if I find a spot that I think has a lot of potential, I'll stay there for two, three hours, four hours. I don't really care. You know, when I photograph, um, I usually just block off the whole day just to photograph and, if, if it's something that I think is going to have a lot of potential, I'll just hang out there for a long, long time. Um, sometimes it's frustrating because I come away with nothing. But um, usually if, if there's great light or a great composition or, you know, there's like this chromatic conflict in the scene, there's these colors clashing against each other, I'll stay there for a long, long time. Um, I, I do a lot of things that you're not supposed to do. Like I overshoot, you know, I'll, I'll just go through a 128 gig card in, in one session. Um, right. and I'll, and I'll come, come out with just like one or two good photos. Um, I chimp too much. I admit, um, I also, uh, crop a lot, you know, if I have a great shot that, you know, I see a great scene across the street and, and it's, and it's a split second to get the shot and I'll, I'll take the shot and if it's way too wide i'll just crop it in uh in in post you know i'm not very um strict about that or, or restrictive when it comes to cropping whatever it takes to get a good composition good lighting great color conflict then then it's fine with me um, i just I, I don't follow a lot of rules basically
0: Well, in in terms of your your actual eye and the way that you're seeing things, what's the most important compositional element for you? Is it the light or the color or or is there like frame within frame? Um, It
1: varies, but usually, you know, I always try to look for that one person, that one element in the scene that I'm going to focus on, even though there's a million people in the scene. It's always that one person that I'm uh, trying to focus on or that one particular element uh let's say of the roof of a car that could be a, an edge that's particularly interesting you know edge of a roof uh the way it curves into the glass or something like that i'll focus on that and then i usually shoot wide open by the way i always shoot at one four um good thing about the fuji lens is that i, c- I could shoot wide open in broad daylight and it goes into automatically to the mechanical shutter. So I won't have to put on all these ND filters. Right. So I can just seamlessly just shoot wide open, even in broad daylight. Um, so I can shoot from day to night and it doesn't really matter.
0: And is that to, is that to pull out that one particular element It's to separate them from everything else.
1: Exactly. That's what it is, you know, and that's what I'm looking for. That one element that facing the crowd. Um, and it could be, doesn't have to be a face, you know. This past weekend, I, there was a gentleman sitting on a bench, and he had on this marvelous, uh, like a diamond watch, and he was kind of asleep. He, and he had on a very colorful outfit, and I kind of just focused on that element: the the watch, his hand. Uh, everything else was kind of uh, out of focus. Um, but yeah, I, I'll I'll usually hone in on one particular element where whether you know it's it's the watch or if it's if it's the color i'll, I'll focus on that or, or or the lighting uh you know sometimes you'll get all three or all four elements uh uh in the frame but usually it's one particular element that i'm focusing on and right. i think color color is usually see new york is very um it's a very monochromatic city. You know, people don't realize this. You know, they see pictures from the 1950s or 60s, and they think it's very colorful. But when they come here, they realize no, it's a very gray city. Yeah. So any, any other other than Times Square and and you know highly trafficked areas with the tourists, but on side streets and all that, very very gray concrete. So um, if I can get a burst of color anywhere, I'm um, you know I'm going for it. I'm I'm just, that's, that's like, it's like a lighthouse, you know, I'm going straight for it. Um, and I'll hover. And then if I see someone walking by, um, I'll focus on that person.
0: Well, I feel like text, um, such as signs uh, is a big part of a lot of your compositions and that sometimes it seems to be for like geographical context, and other times it seems to be more nostalgic. Um, is it something that you look for specifically to include like signs um, as part of it, to to sort of ground the work and give away a little bit of the the culture around it, or is it just is it just coincidence?
1: Sometimes it's just coincidence. Uh, sometimes uh, it does give context. There was a shot I did in Brooklyn, and and it said there was a giant sign something about um brooklyn being very strong or something like that but there was a gentleman walking uh across the street and and there was a shaft of light hitting him and that's what i really focused on the sign just happened to be uh right. in the frame so it just kind of gave it an extra layer an extra layer of context but sometimes signs can be very distracting uh from the element that i'm trying to focus on so i try to limit the signs but New York, you know, there are a lot of signs everywhere, so it's hard hard to prop that stuff out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's actually the, the hardest thing I find about London is the amount of safety signs, um, and I, I am someone that I'm, I'm prone to reading something in a photo before I look at the photo. If there's text, I tend to be drawn to that to read it before I even yeah. really take in the full the full picture. And it drives me absolutely mad in London because it's honestly almost impossible to photograph without getting some form of safety sign or another in. it's, it's I find New York slightly different, I guess, because I'm English. I find it culturally interesting, the street signs I find interesting, whereas obviously the ones here are just irritating to me.
1: Yeah, um the the signs sometimes do act, act um, do provide a little bit of context but also the, the signs here are very colorful so that also is uh sometimes it helps to have a sign in because of the the bright red stop signs or you know um, the bright orange uh cones that you see uh, the traffic cones you see in the street. sometimes it adds context it adds a little bit of chromatic conflict to the scene. But um, generally I find, I find these things a little distracting because I know that people are going to read the signs first and it just draws the eye away from what I'm really trying to focus on. Um, But it's, it's, you know, it's a constant challenge. That's all I can really say about that. And
0: well, previously you've posted um, a fair amount of diptychs or collages of sort of matched up images of your work. And and quite often it doesn't seem to be images that you would necessarily immediately assume were taken even remotely close to each other, but there's, there's, um, complementary elements, be it color or some kind of theme running through. Do you shoot images specifically to pair together with other images or is it just something that you're looking for in post?
1: Um, sometimes I'll, I'll shoot images to pair with each other. Um, sometimes it's just a coincidence, you know, and you just walk around New York and, and you're inspired by, um, all these different, lights and sounds and people um and you know i'll I'll, sometimes i'll delete the card you know if i'll take two or three images off my memory card and then delete the rest but sometimes i'll keep things that i think have potential for later on and i'll put it in, in, in in a folder and then um maybe a couple of months later i'll i'll look through them and I'll realize that a lot of these things, cre- you know, when they when they're merged together, they kind of create a certain mood or a certain sensibility. Um, yeah. So I'll I'll do I'll do a a diptych. You know, again, you know, I have a very broad definition of <laughs> street photography. Yeah. That um, a lot of people would say, well, that again, that's not street photography. That's kind of like a fine art thing, a fine art photography. And I'm like, no, I shot these in the street. So I I. I consider these things street photography, even though they're paired together. Um, they con- convey the mood of, of walking the streets of New York at a certain time of day, a certain uh, lighting uh, or certain arrows. So, you know, uh, again, I'm, I'm not I'm not very strict when it comes to uh, categories and putting things in little boxes. You know, if I, if I want to do a diptych or a triptych, I'll do that. Um, if I want to just, you know, uh, do, uh, what people would call still life, you know, a manhole club or something, I'll do that. Um, to me, it's all street.
0: It feels like maybe that the, um, the overriding need to belong to one genre or another is actually holding back quite a lot of photographers because they're, they're more focused on, well, I won't take this picture because it doesn't fit into the category of what I want to be associated with. and in, And in fact, they're probably going to be turning down the opportunity to take some of their better photos because they're refusing to branch out.
1: Yeah, I think um, also, you know, all, all of this stuff is really uh, related to um, maybe it probably in the late 70s where, where, where all of these photography programs became popular, these MFA programs and, and people... W- wanted to become uh, an artist with the capital a and they wanted to become <laughs> professional you know they wanted to become professionals and have gallery shows and, and books and all that um so you, ha- you, you you had to have some kind of signature style or or, or theme or whatever um and uh, and I, you know, I, I, people still feel that way, even uh, amateur street photographers. You know, you'll see a lot of people on Instagram and, and they'll tone their photographs a certain way. Um, they'll shoot a certain way with a certain focal length. And and it's all to have a consistent style, uh, right. identifiable style. And I feel like um, for me, that's like a straight jacket. You know, I feel um, it limits me a lot because I'll miss a lot of shots. Um, and I think they have just as much uh, validity, even though they don't relate to each other when you're just scrolling through my Instagram feed, because it creates a certain sensibility of the era that I'm living in.
0: What's the overriding emotional response that you're looking for from your work? Um,
1: oh, that's a good question. I never thought of that. Um, just to see New York in a different, different way. Um, Because it's so competitive here um, that a lot of photographs that I see on Instagram, they they kind of all look the same. They're taken in the same location. Um, I just want a broader perspective of New York. Um, You know, I I shoot the the macro, the big picture, and then the micro, the little picture, and anything in between. Um, I don't want to do, you know, postcard photography. Right. Uh, So... That's the only thing uh, that I'm really after is just to, you know, if people come to visit New York, just that, hey, you know, there are interesting things, not just above you, the buildings, but below you on your feet, you know, uh, on the the, the gutter, uh, the um, puddle by the sewer with the reflections. That can also be fascinating. Um, and if and if people see New York in a different light and and they photograph a broader perspective of things, then uh, that's pretty much what I'm after. So I'm satisfied with that.
0: Are there any cities that you haven't visited that you'd like to photograph?
1: Well, um, I've been to Moscow one time, and even you know, but very briefly. And I would love to go back to Moscow. That's one of those places where um, I rarely see photography, um, from Russia. Um, but it's, it's, I think more interesting than New York, you know, it's so monumental, the, um, subways and, and they have such a deep history there. Um, you just don't see people walking around with cameras in Moscow and that would be a great place to photograph. Um, Hong Kong is also a great place to photograph, but also, um, also, well, you know, Hong Kong has been uh, photographed. It's like New York where it's been photographed a lot. So if I would go to photograph Hong Kong, I would try to photograph something that most people wouldn't think uh, right. was in Hong Kong, something different. Um, and Saint Peter's Saint Petersburg is also an interesting city, so I, I would love to go there and photograph. But uh, yeah, uh, uh, Eastern Europe, believe it or not, and uh, in, in Asia would 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 be the regions that I I would love to spend a lot of time shooting. In.
0: Well, one place I would absolutely recommend um, is is Poland um, because yeah. it feels it feels slightly more low key in the sense of you won't feel. Um, I mean, Russia comes with that that overriding idea that the sort of you're constantly being watched and and you're under threat. I guess um, it's quite an intimidating nation the way it's portrayed and probably the way it portrays itself. Whereas Poland, I think, has just as much um, interesting architecture, has an absolutely fascinating history, obviously, um, and I think it goes under the radar a lot with people. It's somewhere that I'm I'm hoping that in the next um, two years, provided there's not another massive lockdown or something, I get the opportunity to go there and do some photography.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, again, Eastern Europe is one of those areas that um, I think they, hasn't been photographed enough, <laughs> yeah. um, and 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 it's much more interesting than than people would normally think it would be, um, and it is under the radar, which is one of the reasons why you know, street photographers should should go there.
0: Do you have any? Um, do we, okay, so do you have a, a most hated photography cliche?
1: <laughs> well, you know, I. I and i fall into this trap a lot you know there's always you see a lot of shots of, of people w- like kind of walking mid stride in uh, in, a, in a in a street photograph uh, or yeah. just like one and 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 i'm guilty of doing that but i'm trying to get away from that and that's a cliche that I, i've seen so it's an easy shot to take um but that's one of the the clichés that um that kind of it's starting to irk me, and, and I'm trying to get away from that. But it's it can be difficult sometimes because the person sometimes adds scale or context to the to the uh, composition. But yep. it's something that i see too often.
0: Now you mentioned earlier about sort of chimping too much being um, being a bit of an issue. What what do you think is your worst habit as a photographer?
1: Uh, I think uh, well, I overshoot too much, um, and I overthink too much. Um, and, and, you know, I'm trying to kind of like get my technique more refined and, and to distill uh, my vision a lot more. So when I walk up to a scene, I know exactly what needs to be photographed, which is like really hard. And sometimes I'll just kind of freak out, if you know, if there's like great light or, or great color or something, I, I don't know where to start, you know, and I'll, yeah. I'll get nervous and, and I'll just like start shooting everything. Uh, and I waste a lot of time in a particular scene, just going around in circles, shooting the same thing over and over again. Um, and I don't know if that's insecurity or um, just a nervous habit. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm trying to slowly get away from doing that and just.
0: Is that something that you're noticing afterwards, though, when you're looking back at the images, you're kind of seeing repetition, or is it something that as you're doing it, you're thinking, "I need to get out of this."
1: um it's usually when i'm doing it uh, i i realize okay you know you, you've been here like 45 minutes shooting the same thing um it's time to move on uh but sometimes <laughs> <laughs> sometimes when i when i'm going through the images at night i you know i'm just going through pages and pages of stuff and i'm like wow this is basically the same thing it's just like the camera has moved you know 1 millimeter to the left or 1 millimeter to the right or a little bit up or a little bit down and, and just to get that right angle or the, the sun gleaming off the paint at a certain angle. And sometimes I realize, well, it's not really necessary. And, um, yeah, just trying to be more disciplined as far as um, my compositional technique, which is, I think, the hardest thing in photography is, is the composition. Um, that's something I'm, I'm constantly working at.
0: Are you not tempted, given you've got a history of photographing film? Are you not tempted to photograph film now with the work that you're doing? It seems to be a resurgence of film photography in in, in street photography, especially. Is that not something that would interest you?
1: Ah, uh, that's a good question. Actually, um, I have a Leica M3, and I have some film in it, <clears throat> Kodak Ektar, and um, I keep saying I'm going to go out and shoot, but um, quite frankly, you know, I, I was shooting for over 20 years on film. Um, And when I was shooting film, there were a lot of limitations to uh, shooting film. And I I would always dream about having a camera that um, would have a lot of the things that digital cameras have now, like focus peaking and things like that. And then, you know, years later, presto, there it is. We, you know, we have these cameras that kind of like um, believe all the, the technical considerations to... Uh, the computer and then you, you as a photographer can just really focus on composition and lighting and, and, and color and all that. Um, no, I find it hard, harder to shoot film, uh, cause there it's really, really does slow you down. I think it slows me down too much. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I find it interesting that so many of the younger photographers nowadays, um, they're fascinated with film, even though they grew up in a digital era. I don't know, you know, the psychology behind that. Maybe they think it's just too easy to take photographs now. But, you know, shooting, growing up in an analog era, um, there were a lot of uh, mistakes made just on a technical side from, from shooting and very, like, contrasty lighting, uh, especially trying to shoot slide film. That uh, and, and, you know, I, I wasted so much money throughout the years, uh, just trying to learn the proper technique of shooting slide film that I could have probably bought like a whole set of uh, Leica lenses and uh, a couple of camera bodies. I mean, it it gets really expensive, even back then. So uh, nowadays, it's probably two or three times the cost. So I feel that um, there's a lot less room for experimentation with film uh, photography. Uh, and since I'm still kind of new to street photography, <clears throat> I I prefer shooting digital, just because you know if I make a mistake or whatever, um, it's not going to cost me anything. When I make a mistake with a film camera, I have to develop it, and you know, and, and all that stuff. Just it costs a lot of money, and 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 all these uh, negatives just start to pile up, and it's you know you start throwing a lot of things away. So uh, no, I I mean. I have no great desire to, to shoot film, uh, even though there's a lot of great work uh, I see on the uh, on Instagram of, of photographers shooting film, especially medium format stuff, landscape stuff, fantastic, um, street photography stuff. Um, it's it's it can be difficult. A lot of people shoot black and white film now, and um, they develop it at home, um, and that's great, and they scan it. So, um, but. No I, I I just don't have a really great desire to shoot film it's kind of an exotic thing now to shoot film for me <laughs> you know so so if I was going to shoot my Leica, I would probably go out into the countryside and uh make sure the you know the lighting is is not too contrasting and there's a lot of color I, you know it's like one of those country cameras what you know I, it's not something that I would take into the city and and do real kind of zone focusing and all that. And uh, I think there's just too much room for error and for me anyway.
0: I, I think the younger generation are fascinated by it because I think it's a couple of things. One, it's like the other. So it's, it's, it's subverting the norm. And that's, that's a very young trait to kind of want to rebel against the, the standard. But also I think um, there's a, an attitude towards younger photographers that they have it easy because they've grown up in this digital age. And therefore, they're not real photographers. It's something that I do hear more and more. It's it's a complaint or a a comment that I get off of older generations. I joined a camera club um, last year to kind of give it a go, and it's it's a story I've gone over a few times, so I won't repeat myself. But um, (coughs) it basically lived up to be exactly what I expected it to be, in the sense of it was sort of older generations telling younger generations that they don't really count um, when it comes to photography because they've had it too easy. And I think sometimes you kind of want to almost prove a point by by going to film and showing that it can still be done. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's like you say, it's kind of hard to find the psychology on it. I don't think a lot of people would probably be particularly honest about it either.
1: Yeah. And then, uh, you know, you said um, people don't consider you a real photographer unless you know how to uh, shoot film. And, you know, I, I don't buy into that. I mean, the hardest part for me about photography is actually the composition. Um, if you can get a really great composition with all the other elements, then to me, and you get a great photo, that's that's the mark of a great photographer. You know, I fell into that trap years ago. You know, I, I got into four by five photography. I was shooting sheet film. it got I even got an eight by ten camera because I wanted to be a quote unquote real photographer. But I just found <laughs> that. <laughs> but I found that was a big mistake, you know, as far as the cost and the time and, and the you know, the lenses were big and bulky and, uh, you know, just, just, you know, falling into peer pressure and, and saying, well, I'm not a real photographer because I don't shoot film or shoot, you know, um, I don't, I don't shoot daguerreotypes. types. that, that, that means I'm not a great photographer or a real photographer. I and mean, I just don't buy into that. I think the mark of a great photographer is having great photographs.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent.
1: Uh, yeah everything else doesn't matter
0: if you were to go back from sort of the position you're in now, the understanding that you have now and so on, and just give yourself some advice for when you first started out what what's the one thing that you would tell yourself to help you move along a lot faster through the gears
1: um just to have uh persistence you know um lost a lot of years just because I got discouraged and i and I, and you know I, I figured, what's the point i'm I'm never gonna um make a mark or whatever and um And I think that was a big mistake because there were a lot of opportunities, opportunities to take great photographs that I never took because of, um, you know, all this pressure to uh, become unique or well-known or whatever or distinctive. Um, and, And I think, you know, photography could be a joy in and of itself. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to have an end purpose. You know, I, I, nowadays, you know, just going out with the camera and shooting on a beautiful day and being in the moment and blocking out all of your problems. I think to me, that's reward enough. You know, I yeah. get enough out of I get enough out of photography just doing that. It's, it's a form of therapy and it's something that uh, I'll probably be doing for the rest of my life.
0: I I think that's pretty much the perfect way to bring this to a close. This has been really, really fascinating. Um, what we always like to do is make sure people know where they can find you. Um, so if you want to give me any links and so on so people can find your work.
1: I'm on uh, Instagram, uh, Airboss, uh, A-I-R underscore B-O-S-S underscore 1028, Airboss 1028.
0: Amazing. No, it's it's been absolutely fascinating. It's great to talk to you as well. I've been been watching you for a little while now. And it's it's the best part about what's going on in the world is just the opportunity to talk to everybody that's been stuck at home or been um, looking for an outlet, a creative outlet. It's just to find out different perspectives from creatives. It's really fascinating.
1: Well, I like the fact that you have different types of photographers on your show because I learned so much um, about different aspects of photography, especially wedding photography and portrait photography. Again, I think it's important to have a very broad perspective as far as what constitute photography, and not just fall into a very narrow camp. Yeah. And uh, listening to your podcast helps a lot, so thank you very much.